Alright, welcome. This is, so that you know where you are, this is leading a child to Christ. So if you're looking for the adult room, you're in the wrong room and we can get you help that way. But uh, welcome. So glad to be here. My name is Justin DeRosa. Uh, like Pastor Lejeune introduced me, I, I know him from our time in Maryland. And um, He says he was a, when he was a little guy, Pastor Lejeune has never been a little guy, okay? Uh, he's always been taller than me, even when he first came as a teenager. But uh, uh, been great to work with. Very honored to be here. Hope this is a help to you today. Um, these two sessions together during this hour, it's going to be very practical. Um, we'll do a lot of conceptual stuff, but I'll also do very practical breaking down of what to say, even even if you need the exact words to say. I mean, we'll we'll break it down that way. Um, right here is my wife, Angie also known as Angela, uh, just like Pastor Lejeune's wife. So um, uh, we've been married since 2002, praise the Lord. And uh, the Lord's given us six children. We have two with us, and that's Sarah. She's eight, and she's upstairs in the nursery, I think. She's just, uh uh-huh, and and Levi, who's seven. We also have four others. They're all in heaven. So uh, I'd go through those names, but uh, they all have double names, so... So I, I got confused. It's David Daniel, and, and, and they're alliterated and things like that. So uh, rather than somewhere over that, just know that we've got Levi here, Sarah upstairs. And um, uh, Pastor Lejeune mentioned the five-day Bible clubs, and they were, they were amazing. They were incredible. But let me first off give the credit to the Lord, because he's the one that does the saving. I don't do any of the saving. Secondly, let me give the credit to all the great teenagers that I had to work with. I was just the, like he said, I was the responsible adult. I was the coordinator. I didn't do most of the teaching. I did, I was the helper that got to lead them to the Lord at the end. And let me just put that note in now before we even take notes on this. If you can get a helper for your class, that, that's a tremendous aid for you as a teacher. Or if you're going to be the helper, please be there. It helps so much. It makes so, so much difference in a classroom, especially with children, to have two adults there than just one. So many ways, whether it's bathroom trip, whether it's um, trying to take somebody out at the end for an invitation, uh, trying to handle a discipline problem, but keeping the lesson going right, right when you're hitting where Jesus died. You know, you want to be able to keep going with that. Have an aid, have a backup. Um, my wife and I were saved as children. Uh, how many of you in here were saved before age 10? Let me see your hands. Okay, before age 20. And that includes those that were saved before age 10. Okay, put your hands out. How about after age 20? Okay. Ah, pretty large mix. Okay. Okay, you can put your hands out. Great. Uh, we were saved as children. Um, I was saved when I was 10 years old um, at Rosedale, actually, at the church in Baltimore. And it was my third week attending uh, junior church. About my third week, uh, hearing a message about if you were to die today, where would you go, heaven or hell? And I realized, hey, I didn't want to go to hell. And I realized that Jesus had already paid everything for me. And uh, I accepted Christ then. It was in a church stairwell there with five other children around me. And it was Brother Andy, who's now in the mission field um, somewhere in Asia. Um, My wife was saved at age five and a half. And she was raised in church. I wasn't. Um, 
she decided that she didn't want to go to hell. She wanted to accept Christ. She went forward. Did you go forward during a preaching service? Just a main service? Yeah, at invitation. And uh, we believe that both of our children were born again at age six. Um, nationally, of all people who have accepted Christ, statistically, I mean, it's, it's all over the chart, okay? They vary from as low as 43% to as high as 94%. But generally, about 70% of all people... We were about 50 in here, it looked like. 70% of all people who accept Christ do so between the ages of toddler, toddler and early teenager. So with that being the case, it's imperative for us working with children that we're ready, we're equipped to lead a child to Christ. So let's get started here. Point number one, and I might have to use this to advance here. Point number one, why children? Why children? Why, why is it important that we're talking about children today? Why not just everybody, adults? Letter A underneath of that, yeah, there we go. It pleases God. It pleases God to take care of children. And I'll be going through a lot of verses. I'm not going to ask you to turn to many of them, but if you can listen. Luke 18 Verses 15 through 16, the Bible says, And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. The disciples were turning children away from Jesus. But Jesus told his disciples, No, no, no. I don't like that you're keeping them from me. Let them come. Let the children come to me. And there's great wording here, too, that word suffer, suffer little children. doesn't mean that you have to put up with their bad antics. That's not what that's referring to there. Notice that Jesus says in that same phrase, Luke 18, 16, and forbid them not. So don't forbid them, but allow them, suffer them, allow them to come to Jesus. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, dealing with a child is different than dealing with an adult. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And we know Brother Montoya just mentioned the verse that says that we have to compel them. It doesn't take a lot of compelling and persuading for a child. For a child to get to Christ, you just have to let them. Almost get out of the way and just let them see Christ. Christ is there. Allow them to come to him. Allow them to hear the gospel. Allow them to accept the gospel. Don't overcomplicate it. So why children let it A? It pleases God. Allow children to come to Jesus. It makes them happy. He told the disciples, no, 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 don't forbid them. Let them come to me. Let her be. Why children? It's commanded by God. It's commanded by God. And we've heard Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And we're commanded to teach all nations. Hey, that means all ages, all peoples regardless of how young, how old. And that's not only adults, that's regardless of age. That includes our children also. Again, about 70% of people that come to Christ come to Christ as a child. So we're commanded by God to lead people to Him. We're commanded to lead children to Him. And let us see why children. It trains the next generation for God. Hey, these are going to be the people that take our places in 20, 40 years, 60, 80 years. And we're training the next generation. We're training the people that may end up serving in, in this church right here in White Oak, may end up serving in a foreign field, may end up serving across the United States 
in a, in a foreign field called California. Okay? We don't know. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And I've often heard these verses only applied to parents teaching their own children. And I, I did a little study on this, and this passage in Deuteronomy 6 goes back to chapter 5, which begins in verse 1 there, and Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. This was for all the people to teach all of the children. It wasn't just me teaching my own house, you go do what your own, your own thing is. No, it was the collective responsibility to pass these truths of God on to the next generation. And that's saying that chapter 5 and 6 talks about their son, their son's son, and even the fourth generation. So this is, this is not just for my own children in my house. This is whatever child comes to our class. We, we, we need to be thinking that we're training the next generation for God. It wasn't just the parents that were doing the training, but all workers in children ministries are responsible to teach the children that God brings in front of us each week. Regardless if they go home in our car, they go home on somebody else's car or on a bus or in a moped, whatever they go home in, it doesn't matter. We're responsible to, to, to bring them to the Lord. And also with this, if you think about... Um, Pastors, missionaries, um, oftentimes they're raised in a Christian home. But the, the reason that they have a good development is that they're, they get the gospel early. Man, it makes such a difference um, to get the gospel early. I've, I've seen it in our church, um, or, or just over the past few years. Where did I put my water? Oh, here it is. I'm used to a bigger podium here. I have to make do with a small space here. Can you hold this? Here, hold this for me. I'll lose it. Thank you, dear. Um, I've noticed that through the years, boy, children that are brought up in church, they could be four, five. They understand the gospel better than some 10 and 11-year-olds that are in my class. And... When you get the gospel to them early and they're hearing it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, don't be surprised that somebody comes very young and, and seems to know the gospel better than you. <laughs> I've had that happen at times. Man, you really know this. That's really good. And it's interesting to note that some statistics state that four out of five church leaders were raised in strong Christian homes where the gospel was presented at an early age. Early age. You know... The unsaved children that enter our classes, we don't know. That may be the next Billy Graham. That may be the next Mrs. Angela Lejeune. We don't know. Pastor Montoro hit it. The one with the pants down around the ankles, the duck. That may be the next whomever that God wants to use. But they need us to be there to lead them to the Lord. They need us. Would they need a person to lead them to the Lord? Why is it important to be involved in leading children to Christ? It pleases God. It's commanded by God. It trains the next generation for God. So that's kind of the why of leading a child to Christ. Let's do a little bit of the how. Point number two. 
Why children? Point number two, how do you sow the seed? How do you sow the seed? Now, I've got the seed capitalized there, basically referring to the Word of God. That's, that's what we're sowing. We're sowing the Word of God. We're also sowing the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Word who became flesh. Luke 8, 11, the Bible reads, now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Romans 10, 17, I'm sure you're familiar with it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yeah. So we know that we want to sow the word into children's hearts and lead them to a relationship with the word who became flesh. We want to get children to Jesus Christ. Here's some conceptual ways to accomplish that. Letter A, plant the seed. Plant the seed. And I'm going to take you through more of an age progression with point number two, and then we'll get into the, the super practical what to say in point number three. Let A plant the seed. First Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. I have planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. To be clear again, we will be doing all we can to work and labor in this field to lead a child to Christ, but it's God that ultimately does the saving. Okay? The first step, though, is to plant that seed. How early can you start planting that seed? Age four, three, two, uh-huh, one, yep, zero, sure, yeah. Um, I can remember, and I don't want to make my wife cry, but uh, but I, I it... it Touched my heart thinking back to it. I can recall singing Jesus Loves Me when our children were in the womb to them right there. And saying Bible verses, you know. Trying not to preach to them, but, you know, not make them upset. Go reach those people for the Lord. You know, I didn't say that, but, you know, giving them, giving them some John 3.16. You know, great, great verse to give them. And, and we, God's creation is amazing. And, and oftentimes when working with children, I found that I've underestimated what I thought the child could handle. And they're grasping so much of what, of what we're saying and what we're not saying and what they're being taught left and right, uh, not just from us, but from their, their friends, their classmates, good and bad, yes. But they are picking up on these little seeds that we're dropping. They, they are listening. Even when they're looking over at the balls on the side of the room, they are still picking up what you're saying. Even subconsciously, they're picking it up. Don't underestimate that. We need to realize that you can never start too early planting the seed. Can't start too early. God cares for every child, so should we. Regardless of age. Regardless of current learning ability as we think we see it. So underneath letter A, let me give you two parts to planting the seed. So we're talking about like nursery age children here. How do you, how do you help them? Uh, maybe up to four or five years old. First, show value and love. Show value and love. And underneath of that, start introducing simple Bible stories and concepts. So, very few children are saved between zero and four. Very few are. Some, some are. Some are. But this is the time that we need to lay some good groundwork in. Maybe you'll have an older children's class and a little guy 
will come in with older sister or brother. We need to be prepared to handle that also. Um, hopefully our cookies are on the bottom shelf in our teaching. Hopefully we're using small words so that everybody can understand. Um, but rather than delivering a three-point sermon um, between ages zero through four, call the child by name. Use that child's name. Hey, Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. Good to see you today. We have a uh, class of four through 11-year-olds now, and it keeps expanding on both ends. So we have three-year-olds that come, and then we also have 12-year-olds that work with us. And they just love it when you say their name because you're showing that you care, you value that person. Hey, I'm somebody. They're saying my name. And then you say, that's right, and God knows your name too, and he loves you. Show value and love. Um, we've been given the task of loving people, not just, not just filling a spot, not just being the holding room while the adults get taught. I mean, we've been given an important task. Um, share, share stories, simple Bible stories, David and Goliath. Everybody loves David and Goliath. Get them, get them to realize that the Bible is something that's enjoyable, that you can learn. It's a positive experience. It has good messages in there. Uh, teach them about forgiveness. Um, and, and show some of the easy stories where people make mistakes. Why? So that children will begin to understand they're not perfect. If, the, if these people in the Bible made mistakes, oh, that's right, I do, I do bad things too. And that will then let you introduce sin uh, when they're a little bit older. So, um, and, and we need to introduce sin and give that need for forgiveness so that we can get them to the Savior who will fix that. That's ultimately what we're doing. So, planting the seed. Show value and love if you're dealing with really young ones. Use their name, love them, Jesus loves you, and introduce simple Bible stories and concepts. doesn't have to be a 35-minute lesson with an outline and underlined words or anything. Just share a, share a simple story. Share love to them. And then letter B, uh, water the seed. Water the seed. This is my object illustration as I take a bottle of water. Water the seed. Mmm. Underneath of that, be visual and literal. Be visual and literal. And we're talking about maybe four to six years old here, four to seven years old. This is a good time to start introducing sin and the cross. You started with simple Bible stories, hopefully classes before your your age group, if you have four to seven, hopefully the younger ones have already introduced some of those Bible stories, some of those concepts. Now you can start introducing sin, introduce the cross. Because sin, sin, it's an abstract concept. I can't see sin. I can't touch sin. It's a spiritual issue. So it's, it's difficult for a child to understand that. But a child does understand wrong. I did wrong. Okay, and then you can equate that to sin and then how Jesus and the cross ties in. Typically, four to six years old, they can uh, understand that Christ died for their sins at this point. So, visuals, if, if you want to be visual and literal, this is the time to, to 
If you need to give a visual interpretation of sin, draw a big black spot on a dry erase board and label it sin. Or get a little, get a little cup, clear cup, clear glass of water and a nice teaspoon of dirt and then put it in there. And then you ask if they want to drink. And that, that'll definitely get their attention. Oh no, it's so gross, you know. And they'll get that concept of sin. Visual. Be visual. Be visual with it. Uh, make or print out pictures of a cross. Uh, bring in a, 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 what is that called? A railroad tie, railroad spike. And say, hey, this was, the, this was like the spike that went into Jesus' wrist when he was on the cross. And, and into his hands and let them hold that spike. Don't remember that lesson. Don't remember about Jesus dying on the cross. Yeah, he died on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? He died for our sins. And tie that back. Very simple things. But be visual. Be literal. Um, Be simple with your words. Be creative with your presentations. There are all kinds of ways to present the gospel. There are all kinds of ways to give a lesson. Uh, You could do it as a play. Skit. You could do it as a radio show. We've done it where we've interviewed somebody, like the other teacher. You know, the teacher interviews the helper, so that the helper gives all the right answers so that you can lead them to the Lord. Uh, a series of knock-knock jokes, or even an activity, or a game. There are all kinds of ways to present the gospel. All kinds of ways. And four to six-year-old, you know, this, this kind of middle ground between nursery and preteen, they love all that stuff. They, they just eat it up. They just eat it up. And what are you doing? You're just trying to get them. You're trying to allow them to come to Christ. You're trying to engage them so that they're engaged with the message. Um, <laughs> also, like I say, be literal. Try to avoid abstract phrases um, for example, if you say to Jimmy, Jimmy, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And Jimmy says, I can't. He doesn't fit. You have to realize that they're taking it literally, that they're thinking a man, Jesus, has to fit all the way in here and it doesn't happen. Okay? So be aware of that. Be very very specific. Be literal with what you're saying. Um here I've got one of the tools that we used at that five-day Bible camp. And this is called a wordless book. How many of you have seen the wordless book before? Okay, back row. Okay, front row. Okay, great. So this is, this is a, a, a nice tool, just a, like Pastor Montour said, another wrench or screwdriver to add to your tool belt. And uh, this is something you can even make. I mean, they, they sell them online. You can check them out through vendors like Child Evangelism Fellowship, but... You can make this yourself, even construction paper and glue. But what this does is it takes some of the abstract parts of the gospel, such as redemption, justification, uh, even sanctification to, to a certain extent, and it breaks them down into colored pages. So we've got the dark page. We don't say black. We don't want to say, like, black people are sin. That's, that's not the right way to phrase that. And we don't say white is to be saved. Because then people think, only white people can be saved. That's not right. So we say, this is the dark page. This represents sin. Sin sin is like darkness. You can't see. You're lost. And the red page represents blood, right? Jesus' blood. 
and he died for our sin so that we, our heart could be made clean. And that's the light page. And then, when our heart is made clean, we get to go to heaven where there are streets of gold. Yeah, beautiful tool right there. No words. It's a wordless book. But uh, one of the other tricks I like to use this for is I say, now see, because of that sin, there's a wall between us with sin and God in heaven. But you know what? Jesus came to break down that wall. And his blood broke that. So, that, that's a simple tool. Like I said, you, you can make this yourself. Um, I have an extra one at home, so if you want this as a prize, Seth, feel free. Oh, yeah, and then the green, after they get saved, this is for their growth afterwards. Like grass growing. So, this is after they accept Christ. But, great tool. Um, my wife also found that the Abeka uh, book Salvation Series was a great resource for teaching the gospel. Do you want to share something about that? Well, it just goes through salvation. It goes through what heaven, what heaven is. Come on up here. What heaven is not, and it'll go through. There's no churches in heaven. There's no uh, need of uh, lamps or candles in heaven, or no need of the sun. Um, there's no crying in heaven. There's no um, sin in heaven. Uh, and you just go through it, and then it starts to talk about no death, no sickness, no crying. Uh, and then it talks about what there is in heaven. And then what I like about this is then it goes straight into um, the story of uh, Garden, of Eden. Of Garden of Eden. At the end of that, you know, it talks about how the lamb was slain to cover for uh, to provide the covering for Adam and Eve. And you can relate it back to Jesus. And then it'll go on and it goes into when Jesus was born. But it's a several lesson. It's more like something you would teach as a series. Um, And we used it, I used it to homeschool our son. So it's really good. He got it. I mean, he could see it and he could get it because he could actually visually. Yeah, it's very visual. Very, very simple. I mean, I saw only a couple words in there. I saw sin. Um, But but very visual. Okay. Again, we're just trying to allow people to come to Jesus Christ. It's not about, and you're going to hear this, you've heard it last night, you've heard it today. It's not about this certain ritual and regimen that you have to take a child or an adult down in order for them to grow. No, not at all. God's the one that does the increase. We just want to make as many as many different avenues, as many different ways as we can to get there. Um, that's ease of travel. I work with the Department of Transportation in Virginia, and the more different ways that are you have to get to a place, the easier it is to get there. And we love it when there's five different roads, because if this one's blocked, okay, well, I can take this one. Well, that one's blocked. Okay, well, I've got this third option. And that's the same way with coming to Christ. Make Vary your presentations, okay? Uh, be visual and literal. And let's go to letter C. So we've planted, we've watered. And just chronologically, developmentally, we're now in the, like the 7 to 12 year old range, and it's prime time for reaping. Prime time for reaping. Um, we've led a lot of children between the ages of 7 and 12 to Christ through the last 15, 20 years, given <laughs> my age. And, and why is that? Well, you know developmentally, this is the age where children mentally and spiritually have developed and matured to where they can grasp these concepts. Um, they can even understand a little bit of abstract concepts. Uh, and in this age group, 
at this point, we've been very visual up to this point and very simple. At this point, 7 to 12, we want to make sure we're using Scripture regularly. Don't avoid it. Uh, consider teaching the Romans Road as a series in your Sunday school. Take a verse each week. And that was instrumental in helping me um, with my salvation was that there was a man, Brother Riggs, who in Sunday school had four points, four verses from Romans up on the board. And that's how I was introduced to the gospel. Now, I was saved through the junior church the next hour, but that introduction was huge. That, that helped me so much. I was about 10 years old. So, ha- teach them verses. Uh, Romans 3.10, 3.23. 5.8, in case you're writing these down, 5.12. Um, I saw several of these on, on your tracks here. Uh, 6.23, these are all in Romans. And you can, you can cut them back if you only want to teach 4 or 6. 10.9, 10.10, and 10.13. So the, teaching that, that can double as, hey, here are your memory verses for the week. And this is my gospel presentation for the day. Remember, we're trying to get the gospel to children. And we're trying to get children to the gospel. So we're trying to get them to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two sub-bullets under letter C. One, prayer. And then two, invitation. One prayer, two, invitation. And these sub-bullets are true for any age group. This isn't just 7 to 12 year olds. This is, this is any. Uh, we must be in prayer for each child that we encounter. We must. We, you know, I, I thought about this. When we're in, when we're in our, our class, we may be the only person on earth praying for that child to be saved. Their parents might be praying for them to grow up well, get a good education, be healthy, be happy, but we may be the only people praying for their salvation. We need God to work, so we need to pray that he will. We need to ask God to work in their hearts. Also, ask, ask the Lord to lead us by the Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom and discernment, to keep an eye out, to know when he's working. Hey, that child's getting close to harvest right there. Hey, that child, I think, raised their hand during invitation. They kind of peeked and put up a finger. Keep an eye out for that. It's okay to peek during invitation, by the way, if you're the worker. That's okay. That's all right. So, first pray. Second, hold an invitation, if you can, after every single lesson. Each one. Even if it's 30 seconds. Hold an invitation after each lesson. Ask the class during prayer who isn't sure about going to heaven, and then ask who is. And just have them raise a hand on those. Or, alternatively, you can ask... Who has accepted Christ as Savior? Because that's a little more discerning. Because usually the new people are like, I don't know what that means, so they won't raise their hand. And then say, if you haven't done that, raise your hand. And you'll typically get somebody to say, yeah, I don't know what that is. And that's a clue that, okay, they don't know Christ. That's something that you can speak with. Again, if you're able, get a helper for your class. Um, either have the helper take those that, that have raised their hand and said, I'm not sure off to the side of the classroom or to another adjacent area that's quiet, door open. 
uh, or switch with the helper. Have the helper take over, play a game afterwards, and you take about five minutes and talk with the children. Either way, it works either way. So we've covered ways to present the gospel message to children conceptually. Now, let's finish up with some practical things. Point number three, how do you reap the harvest? So they've been sowed the seed, the, the, the seed has been sown for years, and they're now at that point. They've raised their hand during the class. I don't know. They're basically coming to you when they raise their hand. They're saying, sir, what must I do to accept Christ? <laughs> I mean, they're basically, that's it. They're right there. So two tips. Two tips with this process. Letter A, include the parents. You say, but the parents aren't in the class. I understand. And letter B, involve the pastor. Include the parents and involve the pastor. Uh, Occasionally, a younger child, three to six, will express interest in salvation. Or you might have a child with a developmental disability who raises the hand and you're trying to lead them, and they're just not getting it. After that happens, it's a good idea to let the parents know what happened. Maybe let the pastor know what happened if they have accepted Christ so that the pastor can clarify a little bit. I don't mean right at that minute. I mean maybe that week, send them a note, what have you. Um, Mom and dad might be able to lead that child the rest of the way. Again, it's planning and watering. It doesn't matter who does what. We're just trying to get them to Christ. We're not trying to, you know, not show belts or anything. Uh, let mom and dad know about that decision, too, if they have accepted Christ. And if mom and dad are unsaved, boy, what a great entrance, then, that we have to get them the gospel. Hey, Jimmy accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior today. And if they look at you like, oh, is that good? Is that bad? If they don't seem like they're sure, that's the time to say, yeah, this, these are the verses that I said to him. And you have a chance right there to witness to the parents. So, news of the child's interest in salvation, good witness tool. And letter C, it's all about inviting the child. Inviting the child. And let me give you the four sub-points under invite the child. And we'll take a a five-minute break here. So, it might be one-on-one. Maybe your helper's out for the day. And so you have to do it as a group. You can pray, pray with them right there. Um, it might be going through a track, uh, a child's track that has pictures and verses with it. That's fine. Use a church track. Uh, the Romans Road I mentioned. ABC, Admit, Believe, Confess. I mean, you could take as little as 30 seconds if you're, if you're out on the side. It might take a few minutes, but don't be lengthy. And if you're dealing with somebody on the side, like one-on-one or a small group, you know, ask, ask why they came forward. Why did you raise your hand, Jimmy? Uh, sometimes they, they don't know what to say. Uh, sometimes they're overthinking the question also. They're thinking, um, because I didn't feel good inside. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Yes. Are you a sinner? Yes. Did Jesus die for your sins? Because that's who we're trying to get them to. Yes. After Jesus died and was buried, then what did Jesus do? He rose again. That's right. And he's in heaven now. Would you like to ask Jesus to save you? And if they start playing with something, obviously they're not ready. If they say yes, that's when you leave them. Okay, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'll help you. You can, you can say these words, 
You can repeat them after me, but you have to believe them in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know there's a penalty for sin. Or you could say, I know that you died for my sins. Jesus, I accept you and what you did on the cross for my sins. And I know you rose again from the dead. Save me, Jesus. Amen. Keep it simple. doesn't have to be big words. You don't have to quote verses as you're leading in prayer. And if, if you're not getting it, if you didn't get to that point with the child, that's okay. Take the child back in. Okay? That, that seed just needs a little bit more watering. just needs a little bit more time. Um, lastly, and then we'll take a break, never assume that a child's already saved. Never assume that a child's already saved. Even Pastor David's children. Never assume that Pastor... Even Pastor Lejeune's children. Never assume that they're already saved. If, if one of their children comes up to you and says, I'm not saved, don't say, no, 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 you're, you're the pastor's son. You're the pastor. You're saved. You're, I remember five years ago when you... Don't do that. Just, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll reintroduce you to Jesus. What a great privilege. Um... Also, never assume that a child is not already saved. Well, this guy's too young. There, there's, there's no way he could understand this. Uh, they, they didn't get it. Uh, this, this person, they haven't been listening the whole lesson. Yeah, they have. They very well could have. Never assume that they're not already saved, and never assume that a child's too young. Too young to understand the gospel. Never assume that. So, let's take a five-minute break. Um, you can walk around, stretch your legs. We'll come back. We'll do an uh, interesting, more interactive case study with special needs in the classroom. So, take five minutes. We'll come back about 10.56, and we'll do that one. <laughs> 